this week on the Divided Opinion podcast. We asked you guys to vote on the story, what you wanted us to talk about. We've obviously done the greatest strikers of the Premier League era. And today, as you guys voted, we are going to be doing the greatest midfielders of the all-time Premier League era. Should we get into it, Wes? Yeah, let's go. The highest scoring midfielder in Premier League history, I think it's 155 goals he scored. I mean, from that, that return from a central midfielder, I mean... A lot of a lot of strikers who've played in the Premier League for 10, 15 years don't get anywhere near that level of goal output. Is that it, to be a midfield player that makes it onto the greatest list and has this long, prolonged career? You have to be able to adapt the player you are, and that's exactly what Fabregas did. Just take your Manchester United cap off, though. I'm not. I'm not got a Manchester United cap on at all, mate. I think well, can... no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. No, no, honestly, he was a top, he was a top player, so underrated. Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Divided Opinion Podcast. We're trying for the third time. Westy, are we all ready? Are we ready to go? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if there's a few audio issues, then we do apologise. We've had a few technical issues this week we're not we're not blessed with studios and things like that so yeah um hopefully you shouldn't get in the way of your audio experience how are you west all good um a little bit annoyed at the current technical problems but we'll have to get on with it we'll get past it we'll get past it we've got a great episode ahead of us today that will hopefully distract you from this um well just before we get into today's episode international break we've had this week what have you made of it have you managed to catch any of it um i've watched a couple of nations league games which i thought were really good really high standard um none of the england games i've managed to catch um but i understand you've watched one of them at least uh, what did you take from last night yeah i watched um i watched the hungary game i didn't bother with the andorra game because i just thought there's not much you can t- you can take from that um, against against Hungary, I was, I mean, I know the the overall kind of talk and the reaction has been negative towards Southgate, uh, how he played yesterday. Obviously, drawing one one, it was it was a disappointing result. I was optimistic in the first half, and if you think back to, I think the last kind of competitive game we've watched England was po- probably Poland, wasn't it? And that was yeah. a disappointing game as well. Um, and that in that game, I really thought we didn't really offer anything at all, and we we just weren't positive. And for me, the issue that I always go back to is the issue of having Phillips and Rice in centre mid together, and I think they're too similar. And obviously, yesterday Southgate went with the Rice in holding midfield, and then Mount and Foden either side of them of Rice. And seeing, I was optimistic, and it got me excited seeing that team sheet. And first half, it did like. Honestly, the confidence on the ball those players have, the Fodens, the Mounts, even Declan Rice. I mean, Declan Rice, is he's just hes just a, an all-encompassing midfielder in every sense of the word. And he's everywhere and he can go forward, he can go back. But, uh, yeah, no, overall, I'm waffling a little bit, but overall, yeah, I was impressed. Um, not overall, I, I, was, I was impressed with the intention of Southgate and the positivity that he set up with. 
and the player and it often does feel like the players are kind of just carrying him a little bit and the caliber of players he's got at his disposal I mean he should be he should be sweeping aside teams like Hungary but yeah Hungary I thought well, was quite impressed by Hungary they were compact defended well defended well out of the uh, out of possession their attackers were they worked hard um obviously we're seeing now I mean to be honest actually I do want to make a point of the substitutions were weird. It felt like we were playing for the draw, really. Grealish was our best player, most influential player. Um, probably the best I've seen him play in general. Um, and one of the best, anyway. And he was involved in everything. But Southgate took him off and brought Saka on. Went to a free at the back with wing-backs. And it was just a strange decision. He doesn't like taking Mount off, does he? Like Whatever he, whatever he can do to just keep Mount on the pitch, he will. Because, again, Mount didn't really influence the game yesterday. Neither did Foden, really. I mean, they had a couple nice touches. And in attack, we do look we look decent. Harry Kane was nowhere to be seen. You just I, did think see, I did the... see a chance when he, he sort of, like, spooned off his foot on the half Yeah, volley. the volley. Yeah, yeah. Half, yeah, whatever it was, yeah. He didn't really... I don't know what it is. You think you've got Jack Grealish, Foden, Mount, Raheem Sterling all around you. These really creative players. They didn't create a single real, like, clear-cut chance for him. Obviously, we've seen yesterday Sky Sports were reporting that Southgate is going to discuss a new contract. His contract is ending um, at the end of the Qatar World Cup in 2022. He says he's holding out for... He still hasn't closed the book on his club management career. I don't know what you think about Southgate. Um... What do you first of all? What do you think of him as England manager? Is he the man for you? Is he the man you want to see leading us forward? It doesn't really. It's. It doesn't, I'm not really swayed either way, to be honest. Like, he's done a great job at like you mentioned in one of the posts earlier. Doing a great job at repairing the image of the team because if you look at what England were before he came in, it was a team that had been knocked out of the Euros by Iceland, and a pretty the team was very dysfunctional. And a lot of players in there were. Remember, the type of players that England was playing in them Euros was sort of Gary Cahill and Nathaniel Klein. And it was a yeah. pretty. You know what I mean? It was a, it was an uninspiring time to be an England fan. But Definitely. that's what the, that's the main thing that Southgate has brought back. It's that the excitement to watch England and he, or and even though England don't always play this free-flowing football that we all know that they can play with the players at their disposal. He has brought back a feel-good factor and also a, a resilience to their team where they don't lose often. Going off the last two tournaments, yeah, you can say that they had easy run-ins and they should have got over the line. But compared to what previous managers have done in the past 20, 30 years, he's been by far the best England manager that we've seen in a long, long time, way before our era as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. I agree fully. It's just when you when you think about it, you just think, is that so much Southgate or is he just blessed with this unbelievable crop of players? He's saying, yeah. like, in our lifetime, we have never... Obviously, mate, you go back to the golden generation and we do remember near the end of that golden generation before with the Roonies, Lampards, Gerrards, etc. And like you said, he's done more now with, with this current crop of players than anyone did with with that golden generation or not, or any that we've had before, since going back to 1966. You can't argue with the last two competitions, can you, really? Like, I I, I look at it both ways with the, the this 
facts that, that we had a an easy running or what those kind of arguments but you can only beat what's in front of you can't you yeah and exactly getting to a semi-final in a world cup and a final in the euros i'm sorry but it doesn't matter what we think and how deep you look into it or how much you look into the tactics which i do and i fully understand anyone that would say that he's maybe simple when it comes to tactics there doesn't seem to be much of a a plan going forward and maybe he isn't getting the most out of this attacking team sometimes he is conservative with his formations and his team selections but the guy is it's a results-based business at the end of the day but then you also look at some of the decisions that he's made i mean when you look back at that that f the the euros final i mean that decision with the penalties it's on him i don't care how much certain players wanted to take penalties that the order that he put those penalties in was was criminal and um, we could all see it as spectators watching on i know obviously we can't we can't comprehend what he was going through in that pit in that moment and making that decision but to put three young players or two young players in Saka and Sancho and arguably the most important penalties your first five it was just a ridiculous decision and it's just yeah it's concerning those kind of decisions I do think and I'm actually in I am in the camp that I, I, I wouldn't have him and I, I could think of better people to have in charge but yeah he's not going to get sacked is he so there's not real much point having the conversation no. The other interesting thing is he's obviously talking about going back into club management. What do you think about that? Where, what kind of a team would Gareth Southgate go and manage now? I don't know. It's a difficult one. He's he seems like a manager to me that is would really only be suited to international management. I just don't. He's there is them type of managers and it, it's just so different the the uh, life of a football manager at a club compared to it managing an international team the responsibilities that you've got it's just so so different and we've seen him in club management with Middlesbrough and I think I think he did get relegated with Middlesbrough yeah I can't remember him having too much success there yeah he's not he's never been he's never had any really success anywhere in club management so obviously it's one of them ones like he's done uh, he's done a half decent job at England's so there will be someone out there if he does ever decide to leave England. There will be someone out there that, that will take a punt on him. But um, maybe sort of, maybe like a mid-table Premier League team, possibly. What about Newcastle? Mm, not, not in my opinion. But I mean, you no, I just, I, just, I can't. Do you not see think that. maybe repair if they if they need someone to come in, bridge the gap now between. Steve Bruce and where they were as a club before and bridge a gap between this suit, these powerhouse that they want to become. Do you not think someone like Southgate to repair the relationship between Newcastle and their fans could could be a good one? Or do you reckon it might even ruin that relationship even more having, yeah. having someone like Southgate? Yeah, I, I think I think the whole the whole thing of Mike Ashley leaving and the new owners coming in is will do enough to repair the image itself between the fans and the club. I think everyone's there'll be such a feel good factor around the, the club now for for years to come. Yeah. And I, I don't think whoever obviously providing it's not Steve Bruce, whoever's managing that football club will I think the fans will probably take to. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Did you um did you see much of the Nations League games? Did you see France? I saw yeah, I saw the the semi final first, the Belgium France one which was 
an amazing game. Yeah, I um, that. Yeah, I thought Belgium were really good in the first half. Admittedly, only cap caught about the last 20 minutes of the first half, but you, I've spoke to you about it. Yeah. Um, second half was amazing as well. I mean, France, they can just turn it on when they want to, can't they? They're one of them teams. First they half, really they, looked, they looked so disjointed and you look like a team that probably never really played with each other. But when you've got the, that quality on the pitch, it was it was obvious that goals were going to come eventually. Yeah, you're right. You're right. In terms of Belgium... It's naivety. Just, yeah. And it, we talk about managers. I don't really know how Roberto Martinez was ever seen as qualified to take that job. This The level of players that they've got and... It's just really, it must be disappointing as, as a Belgium fan because this golden generation, it is coming to an end. Yeah, I'm not sure what their kind of under-21s are looking like, but the likes of De Bruyne, Hazard, you've obviously their defence is really not that strong now. Obviously, you've still got the likes of Alderweireld playing. Vermaelen. Vermaelen, like it's coming to an end now, this Belgium this Belgium yeah. golden generation and they're going to go, it looks like they're going to go by without without achieving anything. It is really disappointing for them. It's one of them ones, sort of, Roberto Martinez, like you say, he's ne- what has he ever done to achieve that, well, to, yeah, to achieve that job and get to taking that yeah. role? I was, I was hearing stuff about the Belgium FA don't really, they don't have a massive budget, they're never going to go and spend money on recruiting one of these big managers. You know what I mean? Like a Jose Mourinho yeah. or Conte. So, Henri though in the back in the back room staff didn't they? Yeah, they had Henri, but um, with Thierry Henri, is what you've seen him at Monaco and New York Red Bulls as his managerial crew ever really taken off? No, but he must be asking for a, a fair wage. Yeah, so I better bet he better used to get a fair bit from Sky Sports. That probably covered his costs. <laughs> <laughs> right, do you want to get into today's topic? Yeah, let's go. Today's episode. So we obviously. We asked you guys to vote on the story, what you wanted us to talk about. We've obviously done the greatest strikers of the Premier League era. And today, as you guys voted, we are going to be doing the greatest midfielders of the all-time Premier League era. We've kind of narrowed it down to centre midfielders and players that have played in centre midfield. So there might be a few players that were versatile. Um, We'll probably plan on doing like a wingers episode in the future a defenders one as well if you guys are enjoying them let us know what you think and we're more than happy to do these tier lists and we kind of whenever we get a week like this where it's been an international break and it's not too much to talk about we're more than happy to do this it's really fun and yeah should we get into it west yeah let's go so we've got the five categories this time we've gone for greatest as the top one uh, elite second down from greatest and then the middle middle tier we've got very good then below, very good. We we had a bit of a, a debate around the the fight, the last two topics because not topics, the last two tiers, because obviously last time we did the strikers and the last one was overrated, and then we ended up only having Lukaku in the overrated tier. So it, yeah, we did we it was, we should have thought about that more. None of these players are overrated. Or they might be. Before we have we don't know. We haven't got into the episode yet. But most likely these are all the greatest midfielders of the Premier League. So there's not going to be any any bad players. Um we've got the ones in front of us and we've also taken a note of a few others that we believe are some honourable mentions that believe should be on the list. 
Should we get started, West? Oh, oh yeah, final one, the final two, sorry. We've got best of the rest. And then we've got overhyped, which is the last one. We thought it was a little bit of a less harsh version of overrated. Um, and be interesting to see where we put some of these players. Should we get started, West? First one, Ces Fabregas. How do you remember Ces Fabregas? Um, just an outstanding footballer, really. A Obviously, magician. I think me and you, probably, I could probably speak for you as well when I say me and you grew up in the days that we sort of fell in love with football watching the teams like United and Chelsea or the players like Drogba I think Fabregas was a massive part of our growing up in football and watching that Arsenal team that admittedly we sort of came into football just after they stopped being really successful after the Invincibles but certainly in them games that we used to watch when we were kids me, with me, me and you sort of the Man United Arsenal games with Adebayor Fabregas and it was Fabregas back then was just it was just one of the best players in the world at Arsenal, I think. And obviously yeah. his move to Barcelona didn't work out how he would have probably wanted. A boy or dream. But um, when he came back to I Chelsea... I don't think it was as bad as people make out it to be, though. He still no, won loads of trophies. and It certainly wasn't bad. I don't bad. think it wasn't a flop. I, I think say. he was... Yeah, like you say. And he, at the end of the day, he was trying to dislodge arguably the be- the three best midfielders of our generation in Xavi, Iniesta and Busquets, which is going to, always going to be difficult. Even yeah. people like Thiago had to sort of seek pastures new in that in that era when he was meant to be one of the best things coming through at Barcelona. So it was Absolutely. no shame that his Barcelona career didn't go as planned, but when he came back to Chelsea, he was for the first couple of years again he was he was just fantastic. He'd sort of molded into more of a deep lying playmaker but when he was at Arsenal, he was sort of like a marauding box-to-box midfielder that did a bit of everything, and uh, he, ju- he just yeah. had a, he just had it all with Inti Fabregas, and he was just brilliant. And I think a key thing you just said there, and I think it's something that we'll see in common with a lot of players on this list, is that it, to be a midfield player that makes it onto the greatest list and has this long, prolonged career, you have to be able to adapt the player you are, and that's exactly what Fabregas did. He had different periods of his career where he offered different different values and he was more of a when earlier in his career he probably scored more goals and was more in and around the area and influenced the game in that in that part of the pitch but then obviously like a lot of these midfielders he kind of dropped back later on in his career and just influenced the game from on the edge of play so to speak um yeah Fabregas I've just unbelievable memories of and I just remember him being at Arsenal. And yeah, like I just said there, he really did adapt the way he played. I remember just the early parts of his career, I remember him being a lot more of a dribbler. Yeah. And a lot, just probably because he was more gifted with pace at that early stage. Um, and then Barcelona, like, everyone talks as if he was had the really poor, poor period at Barcelona, but I don't ever really remember him being that bad. I mean, I probably didn't watch football as closely as I did, as I do now. Um, where are you thinking, um, Fabregas? Are, you, are we? I think we are obviously looking towards elite or greatest. Yeah, I think it he kind sort of, of it's a tough one because it sets the tone now for the rest. Yeah, I think he sort of hangs in between the two, doesn't he? But you'd probably, for me, you'd probably just leave him in the elite section. Do you reckon? Yeah. See, if Seth Fabregas is going into elite. I mean, it says a lot for the greatest. I say we're going to elite now, and then we'll come back if we later down the line. We might want to change that around, maybe. Next person on the list, 
we've got the other side of North London, Christian Eriksen. Yeah. I'm, I've got to be honest, I don't know if I'd class him in the greatest Premier League midfielders of all time. Obviously, an unbelievable player. And I don't know, maybe someone that didn't really reach the heights that I thought he would. When he came through, it was Ajax, wasn't it, that he came through? Yeah. And I thought, well, he was. He was one of the most exciting young players on the planet, Ericsson. And he hit, he took Spurs by storm. I think with, with Ericsson, he kind of fell victim to the 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 trajectory that Spurs were on. When he first joined, they were just going up and up. And then they never really had a trophy to show for it. Obviously, he's never won a Premier League or, or anything for that matter. I'm not sure. He obviously has won in Italy. But this is strictly Premier League. With Ericsson, I'm swaying, I don't know, I'm probably swaying towards best of the rest. I don't know what you're thinking, What? how do you assess Ericsson? Yeah, um, yeah, like you said, he was he was brilliant for probably a period of two or three seasons at Tottenham. I think he, him and Kane often carried Tottenham in a lot of games, didn't they? That with their, with their output, they... It was always you had was, obviously Deli Ali though was like was unbelievable at that point as well. Yeah, he was sort of them three players were sort of like the catalyst to all success at Tottenham. But um, yeah, I'd probably agree with you in best of the rest. Maybe possibly he's obviously like you say he's a very good, extremely talented footballer. But I, I don't feel like his he ever really pushed himself to into that sort of very good category. I think he is definitely. He's definitely the best of the rest. You obviously have these debates now, and we we were debating about it in the last the last tier list that we did. Obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into it, and the absence of silverware has to be a massive a massive factor for me personally. When we're talking about Premier League greatest players, you have to. Yeah. I think you have to have a Premier League title at least to definitely to be getting into greatest, but to be pushing into this elite kind of categories. Titles are what we are what define careers. Yeah. And Ericsson was an outstandingly talented player. And when we look at these tier lists and well, these these categories that we've got, obviously Ericsson at some one point in his career was an elite player. But we've just kind of tried to make these categories as best as we can. But look at them more as in top like a, a five rather than the names don't look into them too much. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, obviously we've got here we've got Makaleli next so just for to clarify we put Ericsson into best of the rest um, but now on to Makaleli. obviously define the position really Yeah. probably the position we now call the Kante role was the Makaleli role before I've got to be honest I remember the tail end of his career don't know if you've got more memory of him than me um, no probably similar I've, I've, obviously I've seen clips and stuff he was he obviously Paris Saint-Germain he was brilliant and obviously hence why Chelsea signed him and he was sort of sort of that in that starting sort of era of the Roman Abramovich tenure wasn't yeah, he at Chelsea absolutely and uh, obviously they won back-to-back Premier League titles and he was a massive part in that so um, yeah he's just a brilliant midfielder and just like you say he's def- he defined a generation defined a a role that we speak about on the pitch so often so yeah for me, for think, me yeah go on I just think what he's one of those players that is kind of the even though we haven't watched loads and loads of him his 
the the speak about the talk about him kind of he speaks for himself because if you've defined a position you've won a premier league i think you go i think you go straight into elite for me yeah. i don't yeah, know whether not. it's hard to put him into greatest when we haven't watched him enough yeah so yeah. going elite yeah Makaleli's into elite alongside Cesc Fabregas. Now we move on to a player that I know I like to go back to my playing career, but someone that I really modelled myself on, David Silva. I mean, <laughs> what a player. For me, one of the greatest Premier League players of all time. Like you said, with Makaleli, who was in that start, the starting era at Chelsea when they started winning things, David Silva was very much that for Manchester City. Yeah. Played for a prolonged period. Did it way into when he was getting older? I mean, yeah, David Silva for me. I know where I'd be putting him. What are you thinking? Yeah, I fully agree. Just um, the stalwart of all of Manchester City's modern success since the um, the takeover back in two thousand eight. I mean, he was sort of. I think he signed two thousand and ten. So he signed into a Manchester City team that was on the rise and people were starting to know about them but he's, he's not one of these players that joined in the midst of their title winning success he was very much there from the beginning so he's got to go into the great can we talk about as well like it's a risky move for him I'm sure he had the likes of Barcelona in, interested in him I always thought Barcelona would he'd end up there one day I mean you think it could have been so easy for him to stay in Spain obviously play with the he's obviously was playing with the Spain national team had amazing success with that as well but for a player like David Silva to go to the Premier League it just it just shows bravery and just that that is what pushes you into that greatest category for me David Silva goes into greatest are you think are you agreeing with me yeah 100% so we're going David Silva into greatest obviously this is also because you've got there's different players on this list that played for the same teams and it's going to be interesting because we can't put everyone into greatest. I reckon this might be one of the ones where we have to move it around a little bit at the end. Next one, we've got another player that don't think we got the privilege of watching too much. Emmanuel Petit. I've got more experience playing with him as an icon on uh, on Ultimate Team. Great player. Yeah, fantastic. Do you know player. more than him than, than more about him than me? No, not not particularly. I mean. I've seen plenty of stuff, plenty of stuff on telly, but regarding them, Arsenal teams back in the day, and loads of stuff. Being a Man United fan of rewatching games between the two clubs, but um, yeah, obviously, brilliant player, one of um, just a typical, one of them typical players that France just produces, isn't they? They just yeah. end on end. It's just one after another. It's just world class footballers and. Um, but like you say, we haven't had the privilege of watching him due to our age. Um, for me, from what I've seen of him, he'd go into very good. It's very good. Wow. Yeah. Maybe a, maybe elite. But are we saying like, though, like very good? Still, really like a really respectable. Yeah, because at the end of the day, this tier. this whole episode is based on the greatest Premier League midfielders of all time. So if you're in this debate, then you're obviously a very good footballer. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think with, with Petit, I think he probably did worse because we haven't seen him uh, enough. I reckon some Arsenal fans could 
Well, yeah, if you're an Arsenal fan and we've got this wrong, educate us. Tell us what Petit meant to Arsenal. Um, yeah, we should, we'll move on to another player that we definitely have got a good memory of. Frank Lampard. Yeah. Um, again, just defined his, his, his team and obviously left went from West Ham to Chelsea and he was at the start of that Abramovich era, Mourinho, what a player and just a goal scorer and yeah. a leader on the pitch and just brought so much to that Chelsea team and kind of just pushed them to the club that they are today. What do you want to say about Frank Lampard? There is only one category for him. Yeah, one category and just unbelievable football. I mean, I think his goal goal record speaks for itself. The the highest scoring midfielder in Premier League history, I think it's 155 goals he scored. I mean, from that oh, that really return good. from a central midfielder, I mean, a lot of a lot of strikers who've played in the Premier League for 10, 15 years don't get anywhere near that level of goal output. He was never a player that was blessed with pace or like a particular he wasn't particularly skillful or he no, was just like, a proper a proper centre midfielder. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even physically, like, I mean, he was nicknamed Fat Frank for most of his career by sort of West Ham fans. I mean, it's probably more of a, a bitterness thing from West Ham fans towards him when he went to Chelsea. But yeah, like, not not particularly pacey. wasn't wasn't like a a prime athlete, but it's just his footballing ability, and more importantly, his, his footballing brain and vision. Just yeah, he's just one. Of the, he's one of the greatest midfielders of all time. I think that's where where you come where these kind of greatest players are made because a lot of players on this list that won't make that greatest category had the talent to make it but it's the mentality isn't it and the mentality of a player like Frank Lampard and a few other players on this list really just define you as a player and what well, yeah well, there's not much more you can say about Frank Lampard no it just it just speaks for itself obviously Frank Lampard's gone into greatest alongside David Silva We've gone to another player here that obviously was a versatile player, played on the wing, played in attacking midfield, probably played in the centre mid as well. Uh, Joe Cole, obviously had a very, very respectable Premier League career, probably more than respectable. I think he trailed off a bit near the end of his career, didn't he? Yeah, um, I, he trailed off sort of before the end of his career as well. I mean, yeah, he, he came through playing through for Chelsea and West Ham before he, his first stint at West Ham. Obviously, he was sort of hyped up as England's net, almost almost in the same breath as like Paul Gascoigne. That's how people used to talk about him. And I mean, well, some of his games and for Chelsea, I mean, went under Mourinho in in Mourinho's first spell. I mean, what a player it's he unbelievable was! Unbelievable feet, unbelievable feet, strength, low center of gravity, goal scorer, assists as well. But I think it was just maybe one of them things. Yeah, just it happens to some players, doesn't it? it? Just they do just tail off and burn out a lot quicker than. And he had he had a lot of a lot of uh, bad luck with injuries, didn't he? Yeah, no, I think those last few years of his career probably tarnished the way I look at him as a player. See, one of the earliest memories I've got of watching football was that that volley he scored for England. Yeah, uh, in the in the red kit, I can't remember who it was against. Yeah, it's uh, 2006 know, if World you're Cup. Listening, you'll know. Yeah, it was you'll know if you're listening. Sweden. Was it? Yeah. There you yeah. Go. Um, Joe Cole, for you, for me, I'm I'm going towards very good or best of the rest. 
Yeah, um, if I'm going to base it off his first sort of half of his career, definitely goes into very good. Very good. All right. Joe Cole makes it into very good. I'm going to go with very good as well, just because, yeah, like I said, I don't want to tarnish the way I look at him as a as an overall player by the last few years. Because he had a really disappointing time at Liverpool, didn't he? he got, I think he got sent off on his debut, didn't he? Yeah, you know? against Arsenal. Yeah. Now on to another one. A player that had kind of periods of his career. I think he probably played his best football at Chelsea. Obviously went on to Manchester United. Never really got going. I wouldn't say he's pop. He 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 wasn't bad, and he's obviously had moments at, at United. Juan Mata. Obviously, when he first came over from Valencia, I mean this guy took the Premier League by storm. In that, I think he joined in January, didn't he? No, um, summer. Was it a summer one? Are you sure? Yeah, Andre Villas Boas signed him. Yeah, but when he first joined, obviously the Premier League. Yeah, he took it by storm. And I think he. He lost that pace, that turn of pace he had when he first joined. And yeah. Again, it's another one where last few years have, have kind of tarnished his career. How do you, obviously, as a United fan, how do you assess one matter? Yeah, brilliant footballer, so intelligent. Um, like you say, without a doubt, played his best, se- best season, sorry, uh, best football at Stamford Bridge. He was arguably the best player in the league for probably his first two seasons there just and he was in in them seasons he was spoke about in the same breath as people like David Silva wasn't he I mean I mean what a player he was at Chelsea I mean and when he signed for United I mean I was absolutely buzzing because he signed in January midway through David Moyes' season where as a United fan that was sort of the first real time that I'd ever endured sort of adversity and not not being used to seeing us winning every week and it felt to me as if him signing was at signing where it was going to sort of bring the good times back and obviously yeah. that, that hasn't happened just yet about <laughs> seven years down the line but well obviously um, he, had, he had a big fallout with Mourinho didn't he at Chelsea and then Mourinho ended up following him to United yeah and he's had it I mean like you say definitely his best player performances at Chelsea but He's had a, he's had a, I'd say he's had a decent career at United. I mean, he's chipped him with a fair few goals and assists. I mean, he was he was instrumental for us for two or three seasons, especially when Van Howe was there. I think that's probably where his best football came. But yeah, he's he's a player that he will he'll go into the Premier League history books for sure, won't he? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm struggling here to be honest. I'm going to put him. I uh, yeah, I think if you based his Based it off his first stint at Chelsea, well, his stint at Chelsea, he was playing definitely sort of like an elite footballer. But if you bring everything into it, sort of longevity and yeah. everything but like that, this it was kind of the same with like Ericsson though, like and well, a lot of players on this list, they probably all were, well, they all were elite at one point. Yeah. Um, well, so are you are you leaning towards very good? Yeah, I think very good one matter. I feel like. Do you think he was better than Ericsson? Yeah, definitely. All right, yeah, there's fine lines. Is that very good and best of the rest category? Right, next one on the list, Kevin De Bruyne. Obviously, has kind of carried on that. The work that the likes of David Silva started at Manchester City has carried on. Um, I've been a little bit disappointed with De Bruyne of late. 
think he often looks a little bit off the pace sometimes. He obviously looks like he's blowing. He's obviously a world-class player and he's won Premier League titles with City. So he's still waiting for that Champions League. Yeah. He seems to dip in and out of games more now. Um, uh, those yeah. kind of performances where he used to run the game and he's physically, he's just... He's hard to match De Bruyne when he goes on those barnstorming runs through the midfield, just carrying the ball. I think we see less and less of that nowadays with De Bruyne. I, I don't know. I don't. No, I agree. I personally, and I've said it for a couple of years now. I, uh, I think the best of Kevin De Bruyne is personally in my eyes long gone. I mean, I think them two seasons where they won the Premier League back to back with Guardiola. That amazing city team we all remember, obviously incredible then. But yeah, I've I've not been overly impressed with him for a good couple of years now. And yeah, I mean, you don't get the feeling that he's the most important part of that city team anymore. No, you don't. And it often used to be the case that you think you feel like he carried them through tough moments, but especially in sort of big games. I mean, I've. I've said it on Twitter before numerous times and I get hammered for it every time. But I just don't... I don't... Every time I watch him in these massive crunch games for City, nine times out of ten, I don't really feel like he influences the game as much as he can do with the ability he has got. No. And he seems to have... There's a few lazy touches here and there and he's not the kind of polished article he was before. No. He He almost seems a little bit messy. But then yeah. taking away nothing from him, he's obviously yeah. had a great Premier League career. And if you look at the the prime of, it, of his talent, he's he was an outstanding player. And he's obviously he's just, how many Premier League titles has he won now? Three, is it? Three, yeah. So, I mean, there is only two categories for him. For me, he wouldn't be in greatest. I've got to be honest. De Bruyne at this point in his career, I wouldn't have him in greatest. I'd agree. I'd go with elite. I'd, I'm not sure looking at his whole career and obviously he's got a few more years but I wouldn't put him ahead of Cesc Fabregas would you? Mm, no I'm bad. I think wouldn't. he's a more all round player yeah they're very different players but, um, very different yeah I don't know I've, but in terms of just what he's achieved and the length of time he's done it yeah I've oh I think he's an incredible footballer but I've still yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've always been in the the um the corner of still thinking he's I've always thought he's been slightly overrated in my eyes but I'll probably get hammered think, for that as well on this podcast but I just, just I just think personally like De Bruyne is prime you can't overrate De Bruyne is prime like he's unbelievable yeah but it's got to be tough to get into that greatest category we can't just give it out free and yeah. there's obviously there's he is probably the closest player we've gone through now. That the closest player to getting into greatest that isn't just quite. It's quite. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. But I think yeah. De Bruyne's going in elite. I think that might be the most controversial pick we've we've done so far. Probably is, but you know, I think our um, opinions are have got some ground to them anyway. Yeah. Personally. Well, at the, at the end of the day, it's all opinion. And yeah, that's why we're called divided opinion. We embrace other people's opinions, and football's a beautiful thing. With all the stuff going on in the world, we can just argue about things that 
in reality don't mean that much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, let us know what you think. And I'm sure you'll disagree with a lot of our picks here. There's a few here like I'm glad this I feel like the last one was a, a lot more cut and dry and a lot more with with strikers. It's very easy to just go titles won, goals scored, there you go, that's your tier. But with yeah. with midfielders it's more subjective, ain't it? There's different obviously there's different kinds of midfielders, defensive, attacking, box to box, like there's a lot of variables when it comes to midfielders and that's why there's gonna be a lot of differences of opinion. And yeah, let us know what you think, guys. Uh, you can let us. You can get in t- contact with us. You can interact with us on at Divided Opinion on Instagram, and we put like daily content on there as well that hopefully you'll enjoy. Go over and check it out. Um, yeah. So De Bruyne's gone into elite. Just a brief update. So we've got David Silver and Lampard in greatest. In elite, we've got Cesc Fabregas, uh, Makaleli, and Kevin De Bruyne. Very good. We've got Emmanuel Petit, Joe Cole, and Juan Mata. And then in best of the rest, we've got Christian Eriksen. Should we move on to the next guy? Yeah, let's go. Luka Modric. Yeah. Outstanding player. Didn't quite have a... a he didn't have a prolonged Premier League career. Yeah, it's, he's, it's one of them ones, isn't it, Modric, where if this was a sort of European tier list, he'd... Be right up there in in all of the top categories, but he'd been greatest, mate. Like if we were going off his whole career, yeah. Well, Modric is in the conversation for the greatest midfielders of all time. Yeah, let's be honest. He's he's won a Ballon d'Or. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, you like. I just think maybe he played his best football outside of the Premier League. Yeah, definitely. I think if we're going to base it off his sort of development at Tottenham and his time at Tottenham, I mean. I mean, you still want to put him in like, even when he was at Tottenham, you still want to put him in like the elite category. But I'd say very good his time at Tottenham was. Yeah, I would. And he is, he obviously is in the great, he is in the conversation for greatest midfielders of all time. Yeah. But we can't, it's a Premier League tier. Yeah. So we're going in very good. Yeah. Him and Joe Cole, some some good company in there. Right, on to another one, another player that really I loved back in the day. So he obviously came through at Werder Bremen. He announced himself really at that 2010 World Cup, wasn't it, for Germany? Yeah. And yeah. just an outstanding player, obviously got the move to Real Madrid. And then after playing for Real Madrid, obviously moved to Arsenal. Obviously the player we're talking about is Mesut Ozil. An absolute magician on the ball. I feel like when Arsenal signed him, it was a... It was a big signal of intent, and they never really followed it up. He obviously he had an unbelievable relationship with Alexis Sanchez when he was at his prime. But Ozil, it was just hard for him. There was just so much pressure off the pitch, and everyone had their, their say about what Ozil was. And I don't really remember a player in time that divides opinion as much as Ozil did, because the talent was there. And he was just always a player that possibly his mannerisms or his body language let him down. as And it made him look kind of disinterested on the pitch. People obviously called him lazy. But I just think a lot of those things are unfounded, really. And Ozil, on his day, was world class. Like, elite, elite player. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm a little bit biased because I, I really like it better Ozil. But obviously, there's... He didn't do it for a long enough period. He didn't win much. 
Or did he win any? He probably won a couple of FA Cups. What are you thinking with Virgil? What kind of regard do you hold him in? Yeah, like I echo everything you said, really. I mean, on his day, he was just unbelievable. The, like, the technical quality, he's one of the most intelligent footballers I think we've ever seen. Mm. Um, yeah, I Arsenal, I think his first couple of years at Arsenal was he was brilliant as well, but I mean he never he never really spurred them on, did he, to go and win a win anything. Obviously they won a couple of FA Cups, I mean, still a good trophy to win. But he was sort of I don't know, I I feel like he sort of wasted a little bit at Arsenal. I think he sort of left Real Madrid in the prime of his career and sort of when he could have probably gone he could have Step well, arguably could have stayed at Real Madrid, obviously, but he was he obviously chose... a player that liked being the the main guy and having a team built around him. Yeah, yeah. and he chose to take a gamble by going to Arsenal. Um, I mean, he didn't have a bad time at Arsenal. He had a he had a decent career at Arsenal, won a couple of trophies, and but obviously it ended in a sort of a sour way, and he left the Premier League, um, mm-hmm. not in the way he would have wanted. But like like you say, on his day, he's, he was an absolute magician, wasn't he? And, it's just hard to, I, I, for a player like Arzel. I mean, to be able to have to, to be able to retain focus on your game, retain confidence with all the noise that was going on around him. I mean, it would have been incredibly tough. And obviously, it was something that he probably didn't really overcome. And he probably did let the other vo- outside voices get to him a bit. He obviously went to Arsenal in the mindset that. They were going to fight for trophies and follow up his transfer with with more, and they just never really done did that. I think he was let down by transfer, just poor transfers, and just let down by the team around him. Really, I think Arsenal just consistently brought in players that are of a similar ilk and just kind of let them down and let players like Özil down because Özil, at the end of the day. Ozil's never going to be... We were looking at a player like De Bruyne that can get a team going and drag a team by himself. Ozil's not that. Like He never was going to be. He wasn't blessed physically. or He was a part in a machine that never really got going. And I think, for me, it's a really tough one, really. Maybe best of the rest. What are you thinking? Because I, I, the, I, obviously I, the bias in me thinks very good, and I was obviously very good. but he never really did it in the Premier League. Like I feel like Ericsson, I just the, like, I think Urza was another one where the his best years were elsewhere. Did he do enough to to earn going into very good? If Ericsson didn't, I think well, if you look at sort of like one matter in very good. Who would you say was a better player between them? I mean, for me, in their prime, I'd say Mesut Ozil. But I think Juan Mata did better in the Premier League. Oh, this is tough, isn't it? Let's put... Um... There isn't really a category here for Ozil, I don't think. Let's put him in. I think very good is a... You've got to remember the player we're talking about. In, in, in... And his first couple of years at Arsenal, he was with, like you say, with Sanchez, he was fantastic, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm looking now. I don't know if anyone's going to make it into overhyped. No, probably not. I think, yeah. Right, well, Michael Carrick. Do you want to take the lead with that one? Arguably one of the most underappreciated footballers of 
the Premier League generation, probably. Would you agree? I'd say so. Yeah. Just an unbelievable. I mean, he just he just he was just such a good player. I mean, he sort of got overshadowed all of his work throughout his whole career because because of no fault of his own because of the players he played with and the the teams he played with and and the success he had in them teams was just all sort of the spotlight was all taken by them big name sort of star-studded luxury players that United had and but and that was also the story internationally as well because obviously you had Gerard Lampard and Scholes were all kind of of a similar era yeah I think he was criminally I think the way he was handled with England with numerous managers was sort of criminal to be fair yeah. I think England could have had a real player. Well, they had a real player there to sort of get the best out of, and no one seemed to sort of take acknowledgement of him, really, did they? And also, you look at Lampard, Gerrard, Scholes. I mean, I know as they as their career progressed, they they like they came more deeper and deeper, but none of them played that Carrick role like Carrick did. No, that sitting in and. Maybe England would have had far more success if Michael Carrick were in that midfield, yeah, and then allowed the likes of Gerrard, Lampard, and Scholes to to go forward and influence the game. Um, yeah, for me, I I, I really highly rate Michael Carrick. Um, yeah. Just did just played the game at his own pace and dictated the play and did the simple things incredibly well. Yeah, but he's obviously yeah. not. He could score goals as well. Scored a lot of goals for United. I mean, his passing range as well was just yeah. one of the best I've ever seen. Like his eye for a ball, the sort of the weight of pass he could put on it. And yeah, like you say, he did, he did just similar to Paul Scholes really, where he was one of those players that can just sort of pick up the ball and then start dictating the tempo of the whole game on his own. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, won countless titles with United and. Where are you thinking here? I'm thinking elite, to be honest. Yeah, I think elite as well. I think a lot of Arsenal fans will have something to say, the fact that we've got Petit below Michael Carrick. Michael Essien. Tough one, really. It's funny because Chelsea have had three players, and there's another one on this list. They're all of a similar ilk, really. Yeah. Kind of defensive midfielder, breaking up the play. And Michael Essien was one of the best to do it. Just a powerhouse in midfield, really. Yeah, and brilliant footballer. Brilliant just, football. Just an engine, wasn't he? I don't know if he quite gets into greatest. Oh well, no, no, I don't think definitely not in greatest. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that anyway. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> um very good. Lesson, very good, yeah. I mean he, he he was a top no, he was a top player, I mean. But yeah, no, Vessian, we'll we'll put him in very good. Outstanding player. Can't really argue really. There's not much to more to add. Mm-hmm. Um not he's not done. I don't think he achieved what a Makaleli did, or just in terms of defining his position, or the guy that's on next, Angolo Kante. I mean, obviously we'll talk about him a bit, but it really is only one one category for him, in my opinion. He's done it. His Premier League story is just an incredible one, really. Obviously, joining with with Leicester, and uh, the more we look back on that Leicester season, the title-winning season the more we realise, I think, as a fan base, that Kante was the, the probably the most important component in that team. He's obviously gone to Chelsea and shown that that 
that fee it's, it's a theme that it's a consistent theme that Kante seems to be the most important player the most important player in bringing other players and the best out of other players. Yeah. You see the likes of Pogba, who, who will come up on this list later on. Danny Pogba's, Drinkwater. Danny Drinkwater. Like, Pogba's, when you see him play with other players, he's a different player. Yeah. Like Kante brings another level of Paul Pogba out. He brought another level of, level of someone like Danny Drinkwater he brought out. Yeah, Jorginho. For me, I mean, yeah. loads of players. And he allows, he's a, a manager's dream because if you've got a luxury player in midfield, it's often hard to get them involved and hard to get them working in a system. But when you put Kante next to them, you pretty much got the running and the the discipline of two players yeah. into one. And it allows you to play whoever you really want in that centre midfield next to him. Yeah. I mean, do you, you want to add anything more to that? I think there is only one category, personally. No, I think, I think you're spot on, really. I think, um, like we were talking about McAuley previously, sort of defined the role himself. But I think arguably Kante's taken that one further. Yeah, and he's just um, people speak about that role of, and I mean, kids will grow up for years to come wanting to play that Angolo Kante role, wanting wanting to play like Angolo Kante. I mean. He has just defined a sort of. He's defined. I don't know how, what 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 has it's he not really, Yeah, but there's he, not many words. It's sort of words, words. Yeah, he's just sort of such an unassuming player in person as well. That he he just goes under the radar, but then you, but when you actually watch him closely, you realise that he is just he's just ridiculous, isn't he? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. In time, I think he, well, he's getting he's into the conversation of one of the greatest players of his era, and yeah, one hundred percent. One of the, the greatest field. players of the Premier League era in general, yeah. and you can't argue with it. You it gets to a certain level when you continuously do it, and you've he's not only just done it in one team and one system. He's moved around. He's done it for club. He's done it for country, and. He's, and he's, he's, he's yeah, and he's also been pushed out to different positions. Remember, sort of when Maurizio Sarri was in charge at Chelsea, for some reason he sort of had this idea that someone like Kovacic or Jorginho would be best in that holding midfield role. And remember, Kante was pushed out to like the left wing for yeah, like the yeah. season half, and or played I mean, like a bit more of the attacking role in midfield, like more yeah. of a box to box player. But and he's I mean, just a, and he just got on with it, didn't he? And just exactly. still still did everything to the best of his ability. I mean, I could think of plenty of players that would throw up a strop and and down tools if they'll move to a position that they weren't comfortable in. No, absolutely. He's one of the most honest, hard-working players we've seen in the Premier League era. And that, well, often when you say a player's hard-working, it kind of, it means you're taking away from their technical ability, but we're not doing that with N'Golo Kante. I think his footballing brain gets... Obviously, defensively, it gets the credit it deserves. But in terms of just attacking-wise and just the way he sees the game and his passing's improved unbelievably. He plays with discipline as well. He doesn't rush the game. He plays with patience and doesn't give the ball away, really, anymore. And, no. yeah, what, what a player. For me, it's greatest. Are we, do we agree on that? Yeah, I would agree, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to Kante into greatest. So the next player we've got on the list, Nicky Butt. 
I don't remember him to be honest. I remember him at Newcastle, and I can't remember him being anything more than average at Newcastle. Obviously, you you know better than me, West. Right. Top player, Nicky, but just take your Manchester United cap off there. I'm not. I'm not got a Manchester United cap on at all, mate. I think <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, no. Honestly, he was a top, he was a top player, so underrated, and yeah, obviously didn't have the, didn't have the same sort of longevity that some other of his class of '92 mates at United did, and and sort of similar to like Phil Neville, he sort of had to take a different path when it got to a certain point in his career. But his his influence on that team and sort of the treble winning team can't really can't be understated in my opinion. I mean, I think even. I think Roy Keane said it the other day as well. I think I think he put Nicky Butters the the best midfielder he'd played with ever. Am I right in saying though that it was Skulls and get it was Skulls and Keane, wasn't it, in a four four two and then in like the treble winning? Yeah, but Nicky Butters did have a he did there was sort of like a chop and change parts play in it as well. Surely Skulls would have been a better player that Keane played with and better midfielder. Well, that's what he said. He said skulls and but he said skulls or butty, and uh, he couldn't really pick between the two. It's a strange for one. Me, you you take you take it on this. I, I don't yeah, know. I'm going to put him for in. me. It's hard if if you if he wasn't was he ever your first choice midfielder? If, I mean that's not even a a bad thing to say about someone when you've got skulls and Keen ahead of you as well. No, he was he was first choice for quite a few years, but. United played in so many different systems and chops and change players because of the the luxury of players that they had. I mean, they they could afford to give these players get a game off here and then play a couple and then a couple of games off there. And I think due to Ferguson's man management and and um, just how good he is as a manager, and I think he got that team all working in a way and in in a harmony where they all knew that that was a sort of role they'd play all season, like. Like I think even like, yeah, like Gary Neville said, like, he would come into you and say you're not playing for the next two games, but there's a game in three and a half weeks that you're perfect for, and that's just the way he was. I mean, but yeah, yeah but enough on Nicky. But um, <laughs> let's um, <laughs> we'll put him in. I, I think yeah, I'd I'd put him in very good. Okay, you will. I'll take your. I'll trust you on that one, Patrick Vieira. Obviously, another player that we didn't really have the look like the luxury of being able to watch a lot of. I mean, you, again, it's another one where the the talk about him kind of precedes him, and his reputation precedes him. Another player that defined the Premier League era. Yeah, his rivalry with Roy Keane was a obviously an unbelievable thing that we people still talk about today. Where's are we look? Where are we looking now with with Patrick Vieira? Greatest without a doubt. One hundred percent for me. Obviously, the invincible season. He's one of the best midfielders of all time. Yeah, I'm not going to argue. I I can't I can't give a a, a large description of, of Patrick Vieira. Obviously, I know the player he was, and I know the kind of player he was, but I didn't watch him enough. Yeah. So we're going um, Patrick Vieira into greatest. Any more you want to add to that? No, just speaks for himself, Patrick Vieira, doesn't he? Okay, guys, we're going to try and fly through these last ones because we've, as always, we've ended up waffling. Um, Paul Pogba. Mm. I think it's a really tough one, Paul Pogba. Tough one, yeah. Because talent-wise... Talent-wise, he's right up there. But, I mean, there's no hiding that his Premier League career hasn't really took off. I think it'd be fair to say, 
wouldn't say it's been a damp squid. I think he's had a decent United career, but it's certainly not been something that matches his talent levels, has it? No. And again, he was another player that was let down by the ambition of United as a club. Yeah. And when you bought Paul Pogba in, it kind of, I think the fans and Paul Pogba would have been in the same boat where they thought that was where United were going to push forward, push for titles and the future transfers were going to reflect that, but they didn't. Yeah. They've, they've only just started supplying him with players around him that were on his level. And he, he cut a dejected figure for a long period of time and someone that was just very frustrated, I think. Talent-wise for me, I've said it before that Paul Pogba had everything, all the tools to be one of the greatest midfielders of all time, like he could have been. He's obviously, he's not in that category. I struggle to put him in elite, to be honest. I struggle to put him in elite. I think... Mm. I just if I you look know. at the, some of the I players think, you're putting him alongside, I do, you, at, can you put at the same time? I do think he is massively underappreciated. No, no, I, yeah, no, absolutely. And if if we're looking at talent, then he'd be right up there. But when we're looking at Premier League careers, and you've got the likes of Michael Essien and Emmanuel Petit, yeah, yeah, okay, I I, I agree. I think yeah, like you say, talent wise, I mean. Oh, he would be in the greatest, wouldn't he? But yeah, talent doesn't make a footballer. I mean, that's one of the old sayings. And isn't it? yeah, and there's the seasons that have, have, are coming now. And if Pogba does stick around, he can easily push into that elite category. Yeah, uh, I think titles just need to come. Yeah, onto another Manchester. So we're going to agree on that. Very good. Yeah, we'll do these two together. Um, Paul Scholes, Roy Keane, obviously a. Probably the one of the best, if not the best, double pivots of all time. Yeah. Skulls. I think they're both going greatest for me. Yeah, they do. They do. There's not really much. There's no argument to be had. Yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah with these greatest ones, I don't don't want people to think like, oh, we're not really giving them much sort of spotlight. But it's one of the they're the type of players that don't need talking about really. No. They speak for themselves, and I mean, anyone that knows football knows. Players like Vieira, Kante, Scholes, Keane. The players that we've put up there, Lampard, David Silva. It's not they're not just hypothet- yeah. just hypothetically, and I don't know if it, if you do even if you've even thought about it, but is there a player that ranks higher than one the other? Paul Scholes and Keane? Where would you do you rank one above the other or could you never do that? Would it be disrespecting uh, both of them? No, I mean they're both unbelievable, but I've always been I think Paul Scholes is just the greatest midfielder of, all, of Premier League history in my eyes. Yeah, no, it, but, unbelievable. But, but like you say, Roy Keane, I mean, people just, people have this perception of Roy Keane just being a sort of a maniac who just went around uh, trying to break people's legs, but people actually forget how good of a footballer he actually was. I mean, goal scoring, his passing range, just, he was just, he lit, Paul Scholes, Probably more Roy Keane, probably more goes more so than Paul Scholes. Sorry, Roy Keane was definitely sort of he's just the all rounder, wasn't he? Really, yeah. Whereas absolutely. Paul Scholes, I mean, Paul Scholes defensively was left left a lot to be desired. <laughs> if we <laughs> were just remember. his footballing brain, wasn't it? With Scholes, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, it's just, just talent. Just it was just raw talent. Like you can't teach the skills that. Roy Keane is someone that obviously worked incredibly hard. Obviously had a lot of talent as well. But Paul Scholes, 
did he even have to? Did he even have to work that hard? Because the never, talent levels that he had, like, I don't think he even. I'm not saying obviously sweat. he would have worked. He would have worked hard, but yeah. I like, think he's yeah. one of them players in the pool skulls where it goes without saying he would he would have walked into all these teams we talk about these Barcelona teams. You know, he'd have walked into any of them once he in his prime. And that's what Xavi always said, wasn't it? Yeah. If there was one player that could have gone into that team, that Barcelona team, it would have been Paul Scholes. Yeah. Um, right, we've obviously, we've gone in Paul Scholes into greatest. Right, we'll go on. Now, we'll move on to another midfield partnership. Gerard and Xabi Alonso. Are they both going into greatest? No. No, I wouldn't. I think, obviously, Steven Gerrard is definitely going into I think into Steven Gerrard looking at the people we've got up there is sort of the only exception you can have when it comes to a player that hasn't particularly got a sort of star-studded career in the Premier League in terms of trophies. He's never won a Premier League. No. I mean, but And that's the biggest travesty in football, to be honest. And I can guarantee <laughs> that it? will still keep him up at night. Like <laughs> it will. It's not even about the slip. Like It's just in general. It is an absolute travesty that that guy never won a Premier League. He arguably could be the best Premier League player of all time and he never won anything. It's just criminal. And yeah, and but that like you said, it is actually a little bit mad. Yeah. As we've said before and people like players like Pogba and other players have fallen down the list because of no Premier League title. And Steven Gerrard puts himself right up there at the top. Mm-hmm. But you can't argue. What you can't player. argue. What a player. What a player. And it, I've said it a, a few times this podcast, but just an all encompassing midfielder. They don't yeah. really make them like Steven Gerrard anymore. No, they don't. He was someone that could do or it. Or a lot of these players. Nah. He that was kind just... of player that... Yeah. yeah. No, you, you, you've hit nail on the head. They, they, they just don't make him like him anymore. Like He is no. a proper... He was just a mix. He was a mix of old school, sort of like a midfielder from like the 70s or 80s, but mixed with someone of a player like now, someone like Kevin De Bruyne, who just marauds through midfield, scores goals, gets assists. I mean... He was just yeah. the, he was a perfect midfielder, I think. It's just a travesty and that, that pains me to say. He's a Man United fan. I mean, yeah, no, oh, absolutely. I shouldn't have to say that, but you just you've got to you just got to respect it. Um, Xabi Alonso, where does he fit for you? Elite. <laughs> does Xabi Alonso get into elite? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, talent-wise, I mean, what a player. Yeah. All right, Xabi Alonso is into elite, and now the last player on the list, Yaya Torre. Yeah, what? What are we thinking? What are we thinking? Because now is when you've come into the you're debating around city legends, really. And obviously, we've already ranked Silver ahead of De Bruyne. Where in those in those three midfielders, where do you rank Yaya Torre? The greatest out of them all three. Really? Yeah. For me, but, I don't think he's better than David Silver, but I p- would put him into greatest definitely. I think that I'm, I think. Obviously, you've got players up there like Gerard, Lampard, Skulls, Keane, all amazing players. Were had a much more sort of longer career in the Premier League with, with sort of um, consistent sort of performances and success. But I think them sort of like three or four years. I think it was maybe probably like the third. I think the third. I think when Pellegrini was manager that season at City, then on towards about just before Guardiola came in. I think they're probably them one or two seasons were probably the best seasons I've ever seen a midfielder in a Premier League play. I think he scored one really? season, didn't he get sort of twenty five goals and sort of 
Like 20... Something ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. I remember, because when, when Leicester got into the Premier League, it was right near the tail end of his career. And I remember just watching him. And he literally barely moved from this 10-yard radius circle. He just barely moved. Around the centre circle, he literally just walks around the pitch. One of those players I'm just glad I got to see. Yeah. Not really much else to say. Right. Um, a couple of players that we we noticed that aren't on the pitch, aren't on the pitch, aren't on this tier list. Um, Darren Fletcher, we thought should have been on it. Where would he have ranked for you if we were going to get Darren Fletcher in it? Very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, Scott Parker for me was one that had to be on there. Really. <laughs> Maybe it's bias. I loved Scott Parker when he was at West Ham. I mean, he was a, he was a, he was a decent player. I mean, but lad, watch some highlights <laughs> of Scott Parker at West Ham. I've seen him. Didn't I you... think the one thing, and obviously we didn't create this tier list. This was someone else that's created this. I think one thing that they've they've gone very heavy on the big teams. Yeah, there's a lot of midfielders that did really like. It's not all about winning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's, you can still do unbelievable things keeping teams up and I like that more the last the last tier list you had likes of Kevin Phillips and people like that I, I preferred that so there you have it that is our full tier list of the greatest Premier League midfielders of all time just to clarify I'm just going to go through each tier now just to remind you all so we'll start at the bottom obviously we had the overhyped category but we didn't end up using it. Um, it's difficult with these greatest players. You you want to have a bottom one, but really, these are all exceptionally talented players that had unbelievable Premier League careers in their own right. So we start off at the bottom is best of the rest. And sadly, it's Christian Eriksen on his own. Uh, we've got a lot of respect for Christian Eriksen, obviously. Um, unbelievable player and was playing at an elite level at certain po- points in his career. But yeah, unfortunately, he is in our best of the rest category. Uh, then we move up to very good, where we have Emmanuel Petit, Joe Cole, Juan Mata, Luka Modric, Meza Ozil, Michael Essien, Nicky Butt, which was largely Westy's choice, to be honest. Um, but there you go. Then we have also have Paul Pogba in very good. Probably one that you might not agree with. Let us, let us know what you think. And then we move up to elite, where we have Cesc Fabregas, Makaleli. We also have Kevin De Bruyne. Another, I know this one's going to be controversial. I reckon it may be the most controversial thing me and Westy have said on the podcast to date. Uh, let us know what you're thinking, City fans. Have we got that horribly wrong? Uh, then next to Kevin De Bruyne, we have Michael Carrick and Shabby Alonso. And then in the greatest category, these are the guys that it kind of chose themselves, to be honest, in our opinions. In the greatest, we had David Silva, Frank Lampard, Another Chelsea man, N'Golo Kante. Then we have Patrick Vieira, Paul Scholes, Roy Keane, Steven Gerrard, and lastly, Yaya Torre. Let us know what you thought. Were there any players that we missed out on the tier list? Who should have been on there? Maybe let us know what tiers could be better for next time. Because that's what we're struggling with, really. Because when you have got these elite, elite players, and everyone on this list was playing at an elite level at one point in their career, Maybe with the exception of Nicky Butt. But yeah, let us know what you thought of all this. Because it is opinion at the end of the day. Like I said earlier in the episode, that's why we're called Divided Opinion. We embrace everyone's opinion. And yeah, 
see there you have it guys there is our premier league midfielders tier list i hope you guys enjoyed it um we really enjoyed doing it um did you enjoy it west yeah really good episode i mean i hope you guys enjoy these episodes as much as we do because started doing obviously the striker one that was really fun to do and obviously we're going to try and hopefully if you want us to go through well strikers midfielders defenders goalkeepers or whatever i mean but yeah it's another good episode wasn't it do you enjoy it as much Brilliant. as me joel yeah i really enjoyed it these are my probably my favorite episodes to do to be fair i love all of them though don't yeah. get me wrong i love all of them um but yeah thanks for joining me today westy really no problem mate i'll see you next week yeah no i echo everything that westy said there uh if you've enjoyed the episode feel free to follow the podcast so you get notified when another one's out that's follow if you're on spotify subscribe if you're on apple podcasts if you want to leave a review you don't have to write anything just give us a rating out of five stars be honest as well let us know what you think um yeah i hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll see you soon